Good morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever the case may be, and thank you for joining Silver Screeners. This is the podcast that brings you all kinds of movie news, reviews, and previews. I'm Frank, a New England native, Massachusetts, born and bred, and welcome to episode nine. So back in an earlier show, I think it was episode two, uh, we paid tribute to mothers and mother figures in the movies with a special countdown of the top movie moms, grandmoms, really any maternal characters. Never one to shy away from a challenge, at least the ones that I think won't be too taxing on the brain. It only seemed fair to do the same with Father's Day coming up on the third Sunday in June, as it always is, at least here in the U.S. and Canada and the U.K., I believe according to Better Home and Garden anyway. The thing is that what I did before was put all of these different mother characters into these different categories, which I think worked out fine, I guess, I hope, but I'm keeping it simple this time around and going with a fairly standard countdown of the top 10 movie dads and father figures. So some of the movie titles that you'll hear are even good sometimes in some cases. I don't know, you tell me what you think. But to get everything going, how about a dad joke? It's like a Father's Day law that you have a dad or uncle joke that becomes part of the common lexicon of any family unit. So you're ready. I'm sorry in advance, but what did one baseball hat say to the other? You stay here. I'll go on ahead. Please don't stop listening yet. Let's just swivel towards the weekly trivia. Last time we had a big shindig, otherwise known as the previous episode, to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the original release of Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first entry in the Indiana Jones franchise. So the question was, which Indiana Jones movie comes first in the franchise's timeline? And the correct answer is the second one, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which is set in 1935. The events of Raiders of the Lost Ark, they occur one year later, followed by The Last Crusade, which was supposed to be 1938, I believe, and then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull happening in the 1950s. Before I announce the winners, though, can I just take a second to interject something here? Crystal Skull, 2008, was it really as bad as it's said to be? I saw it when it first came out. I enjoyed it. Was it the best one? No. Was it great? No. Was it terrible? I didn't think so. It was great that Marion was back. It was great that Harrison Ford still had some ink left in the fountain pen to do a little ass kicking, but maybe I'm off the rails with this one, but I just don't get the sulfuric acid that's usually thrown all over the fourth one. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that great, but anywho, the personalized memes and shout outs, they go to my buddy Drew. If you have not checked out Drew Bennett's YouTube channel, Ben Spock Family Adventures, do that next. He reviews all kinds of cool stuff, latest toys and game releases. The other Victor is a new listener, Mike. Greetings, Mike. He has a Star Wars-themed podcast called Now This Is Podcasting, so check that one out on Apple, Buzzsprout, wherever you like. Personalized Indiana Jones-themed memes, gentlemen, coming your way, and thank you both. And to everyone else out there, wherever you are, whoever you are, if you're saying to yourself, damn, I want a personalized meme of my own and a shout-out, It's never too late to join the party. The question for this episode is as follows. 
Sean Connery plays the father of Indiana Jones in 1989's The Last Crusade. He had just won the Best Supporting Actor Academy Award for what 1987 crime drama directed by Brian De Palma and starring Kevin Costner. So name the 1987 movie that got Sean Connery his Oscar. So email your answer to frankmandosa at yahoo.com. Mandosa spelled with an A and an S. You can simply message me or post to Twitter at filmbuff1974. You can go onto Facebook, onto my public Facebook group, Silver Screeners. And I'm also on Instagram at Frank Mendoza 1974. So pick a place and tune in next time for the correct answer and to find out who gets the next personalized memes and shout outs. And speaking of listeners, thank you. Thank you very much to those of you who sent in your choices for the top fathers or father figures in cinema. Got some good picks in there too. Uh, actually heard from more people than I expected, which is great. So keep them coming. In no particular order, first up at bat is Libby. Libby, who says Ben Cash, played by Viggo Mortensen in Captain Fantastic. I saw that one. Came out maybe about five years ago, 2016, I think it was. He got a Best Leading Actor nomination in this movie. Ben Cash, the character Ben Cash, takes his six kids into the woods of Washington State to live in a cabin. Sort of a sort of a self-reliance, Henry David Thoreau kind of a thing. So great choice, Libby. Totally groovy. And thank you. Next, we have Mary Cullen. She singles out Atticus Finch from 1962's To Kill a Mockingbird, played by Gregory Peck. Definitely a solid choice. I should mention that there was also a second vote, a second vote, a second vote for Atticus Finch. And that came from Madeline. So Madeline and Mary Cullen, this one is a staple of reading lists in schools all over the country, I would imagine elsewhere as well, To Kill a Mockingbird. So the character of Atticus Finch, the story To Kill a Mockingbird, probably familiar to a lot of people. He got the Oscar for that one, and he plays a lawyer who defends a Black man falsely accused of rape in the Deep South. I think it was Alabama. So thank you both, Madeline and Mary. Edward Rubin throws Spencer Tracy into the mix with a double vote for both Guess Who's Coming to Dinner from 1967 and Father of the Bride with his co-star Elizabeth Taylor as his on-screen daughter. If you're looking for an actor who reliably always comes across as solid as a rock, you have it in Spencer Tracy for sure. So thank you, Edward Rubin. Vintage Video Podcast selected Ryan O'Neill in 1973's Paper Moon. That's the one where his real-life daughter, Tatum O'Neill, she plays his on-screen partner in crime. It's a black-and-white movie from 1973, directed by Peter Bogdanovich, and it's set during the Great Depression era, and they play a couple of con artists, unlikely allies who together con people <laughs> con people for money and if you have not listened to vintage video uh, podcast by the way they are a lot of fun to listen to they know their stuff they're working their way through the movies of the 1980s you'll find them on podcast platforms as well as youtube where they have their own channel so check out vintage video podcast next back to drew bennett he gave it up for dan Aykroyd and john candy in the 1988 comedy the great outdoors 
Drew, you're on fire here. <laughs> Fun comedy, uh, Dan Aykroyd and John Candy, they play brothers-in-law. Dan Aykroyd, who I always, when I was a kid, to me, he was always, you know, from Ghostbusters. He was, in this one, though, in The Great Outdoors, unlike the goofy guy he was in Ghostbusters, in this one, he's sort of cast against type as a stuffy and pretentious snob who, with his wife and his twin daughters, they sort of crash and hijack the vacation getaway of John Candy and his family. They rented this cabin in the woods and Aykroyd and his family show up unannounced and family conflicts ensue. So good choice there, Drew. And again, check out his vlog and his YouTube channel, Ben Spack Family Adventures. We also have Greg. Greg is going with Braveheart and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. <laughs> Strong choices for sickest fathers of the year, not to mention the deadliest. Thank you very much, Greg. Good movies. And last but not least, there is Beth. One of her favorite movies of all time is apparently The Judge 2014 with Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall playing father and son. She picked the Robert Duvall character, Joseph Palmer. He got a Best Supporting Actor nomination for this movie. He plays a judge who is accused of murder, and Robert Downey Jr., his son, is a lawyer who is estranged from the family. He goes back home to attend his mother's funeral and has to come to terms with the family tensions that have been simmering for years beneath the surface. A lot of it was actually shot right here in Massachusetts, uh, Plymouth, Dedham, Attleboro, Belmont, Boston, and Worcester. So local interest there for those of us who are New England natives. So good pick, Beth, and thank you all. Thank you all for sending in your picks and looking forward to hearing your picks for next time. So let's get cracking now with the top 10, the top 10 father figures from the movies. Now, I do want to make it plain from the beginning that when I say top what I mean is not necessarily the best or the most admirable. I mean the most memorable, the most distinctive. Maybe they're particularly funny. Maybe they're an embarrassment to all multi-celled organisms everywhere. I'll be giving you the name of the character. I'll be giving you the name of the actor who plays him, the title of the film, some commentary, and some choice dialogue. So you'll hear the answer to the question at the end of each one. Is he a good father? or uncle, or grandfather, or whatever. So let's begin with number 10. Number 10, Grandpa Joe, played by Jack Albertson in 1971's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Now, I do want to say that I'm really, nor was I really ever, totally nuts about Jack Albertson's performance or about the dialogue he's given terrible one-liners that he whispers to Charlie Bucket, his grandson, every time any of the other characters says something, he has sort of a whispered wisecrack to his grandson. But I do like the idea. I do like the idea behind the character, which is fundamentally, at heart, it's a guy who loves his only grandchild. So I go for that. But to be fair, we really should point out there is the other grandfather who gets jack squat from this grandson from charlie bucket that is grandpa george the guy gets a bum deal these two grandfathers along with the two grandmothers all four of them they have stayed in this bed for 20 years they have not gotten out of bed for 20 years neither one of them does anything more with his life than the other 
Once Charlie Bucket finds one of Willy Wonka's golden tickets, he turns to Grandpa Joe in a clear sense of favoritism. He says to him in front of Grandpa George, he says, Grandpa Joe, I can bring a guest. I wish you could go. And the thought of taking a tour of a chocolate factory gets Grandpa Joe off his keister, out of bed, and right into a song and dance without a word of acknowledgement of Grandpa George, who is right there. That is cold. I'm sorry, that is cold. So is he a good grandfather? I got to give it a no. Chocolate gets him out of bed after he spent all those years freeloading meals of cabbage water. I'm just simply going to have to say... Sorry, Grandpa Joe. So that's number 10. Number nine, we have Uncle Buck, played by John Candy in the 1989 comedy Uncle Buck. So in this film, he plays a crude and crass and slovenly kind of guy, single, whose brother calls him up and says, my wife and I, family emergency uh, with her father at home. Can you please come and stay with our kids for a few nights? Uncle Buck agrees. So he goes to his brother's house to the rescue. Now his sister-in-law, the brother's wife, never liked him. She even folds him out of the wedding photo in the, in the photo album. So John Candy and his sister-in-law, no love lost between them. And at one point, she calls. She calls home because she doesn't trust this guy with her kids and she wants to make sure that her kids are safe and that they haven't killed each other. And the phone conversation as follows. He asks about the dog. He says to her, oh, by the way, uh, how many times does the dog eat a day? And she says, oh, how, 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 how many times do you think? She says with torture in her voice, I don't know, four or five. I should have told you that. He eats once, he eats once a day. He says, oh, okay. And does he drink water? And she says, yes, yes, I would leave out water. And he says, oh, okay, I've just been leaving the toilet seats up. So is he a good uncle? I'm going to have to say not a snowball's chance in hell. Is he getting a trophy? But the love is there. You do have to give the guy props because he comes to the defense of his niece when her scuzzy boyfriend treats her like garbage. So he gets... He gets points for that one. So I'm going to go middle of the road and say, is he a loving uncle? Yes. Is he a role model? Mm. Sorry, Buck. Number eight. Number eight, we have 1987's The Princess Bride, the character of the grandfather, played by Peter Falk. The Princess Bride, I'm hoping... I shouldn't assume, but I'm hoping that you know this movie. So the movie begins with this young kid. He's sick in bed, and his grandfather comes over with a book he's going to cheer him up with. He's going to read it to him, and he's reading the kid the story. The story is the story of the Princess Bride, and the grandson is reluctant at first, but eventually he gets caught up in the story, and at one point, he even says... He makes a prediction as far as a uh, as far as what's going to happen in this book. His grandfather is reading him. Turns out he was right that his prediction was right. And so the grandson says, "See, didn't I tell you?" Grandpa says, "Yes, yes. You're very smart. Shut up." So, is he a good grandfather? Well, he manages to insert a little sentiment into his 
gruff sarcasm. So are you kidding me? The guy's my idol. At the end of the movie, I mean, hot flutters, the grandson says to him as his grandfather's walking out of the room, Grandpa, maybe you could come over and read it again to me tomorrow. And Grandpa looks at him with a twinkle in his eye and a loving smile and says, as you wish. So, yes, he gets it. Number seven, Vito Corleone, played by Marlon Brando in 1972's Best Picture winner, The Godfather. What can we say about The Godfather? <laughs> All right, well, it's the story. It's the story of a, of, a, of, a, of a mafia don played by Brando. I mean, this guy, he, he is a killer. He's, well, he arranges for killings and murders and, and gambling and bribery and, and graft and whatnot. But he does have a very famous line at the beginning of the film when he says to a potential new client, and I'm sorry in advance for this bad impersonation, a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. And then he gives a quick look at his son, Sonny. <laughs> so is he a good father, Don Corleone? I am sorry, but uh, get real. Okay, that's probably getting annoying. So I'm going to stop that for a bit because moving along to number six, we have George McFly. Played by Crispin Glover from Back to the Future, 1985. So George McFly, Michael J. Fox's on-screen father, he is a wuss. He is a wimp. He is a simpering coward. He is a whiner, and he has absolutely no clue how to talk to his son who looks at him with a sense of, are you kidding me? So at the beginning of the film, George McFly, he is being intimidated and bullied by the villain of the movie, Biff Tannen. Biff had borrowed his car and was drinking as he was driving and was crashed into. And now Biff is turning around and blaming it all on George McFly, who was not even there. And George McFly tries very feebly to say to him, Biff, can I assume that your insurance is going to pay for the damage? And Biff Tannen says, my insurance? It's your car. Your insurance should pay for it. I want to know who's going to pay for this. Who's going to pay for this? I spilled beer all over my shirt when the car smashed into me. Who's going to pay for my cleaning bill? And Michael J. Fox stares in disbelief. And George McFly looks at his son and says, all I can say is I'm, I'm sorry. So, is he, George McFly, a good, a good father? The guy's a dumpster fire. So, no. <laughs> Moving along to number five, Clark W. Griswold, played by Chevy Chase in National Lampoon's Vacation. The story, admittedly a rather simple one, but a funny one, of a middle-class suburban family, suburban Chicago. It's written by John Hughes, so of course it's suburban Chicago. And Clark W. Griswold, he wants to treat his wife and his teenage son and teenage daughter to the best family summer vacation ever. They're going to get into their car. They're going to go on this cross-country road trip out to California where they are going to visit the amusement park Wally World. Wally World. So, of course, the Obvious premise of the film is that everything that could possibly go wrong along this voyage does, ranging from lost credit cards to being <laughs> running into crooks, you, you name it. 
And at one point, they actually drive that car over a cliff and into the middle of East Cupcake, Arizona, this desert in the middle of nowhere. And so they're stranded and they don't know what to do. And he decides to take this moment to try to have a bonding father-son moment with his young teenage son, Rusty, leaving his wife and his daughter, Audrey, behind the car. He and Rusty walk their ways up a little hill. They share a beer. And Chevy Chase gets all sentimental. And he says, you know, at first I didn't want to take this vacation, but now I'm glad I did. It's given me a chance to spend a lot more time with you and uh, 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 Audrey. Yeah, Audrey, yeah, yeah. So he forgets his daughter's name. So is he a good father? Well, at the risk of giving away too many spoilers here, the dude jumped into a public swimming pool with Christy Brinkley, for God's sake, with his family's hotel room door right there in the balcony. He hollers at his wife and his kids in a temper tantrum, calls them all effed in the head. He may have held up security guides to let them go on the Wally World roller coasters, but I'm sorry, we got to give this guy a hard pass. Number four, Chris Gardner, played by Will Smith, 2006's The Pursuit of Happiness. After a game of basketball, Chris Gardner, Will Smith, turns to his little boy, played by Will Smith's real-life son, and in a moment of quiet desperation, says to him, hey, don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Not even me, all right? And the kid goes, all right. And he goes on, you got a dream, you got to protect it. People can't do something themselves. They want to tell you you can't do it. If you want something, go get it, period. And later on, when this single father, this impoverished, out-of-work single father, when the two of them are at a shelter, the little boy is looking at his sleeping father next to other homeless people and just says a very simple but very poignant line. He says, you're a good papa. So is Christopher Gardner a good father, if anything? to show us all how to solve that damn Rubik's Cube that I've been cracking away at since 1982. That is one of his skills in the film is he's able to solve this Rubik's Cube in less than, I think it was 60 seconds or 30 seconds or something like that. So check out The Pursuit of Happiness if you want a little bit more sentiment in your Father's Day celebrations. Speaking of sentiment, let's move on to number three. Number three, Ashok Ganguly, played by Irfan Khan in 2006's The Namesake. He is an immigrant to the United States from India. He is Bengali. And at one point in a flashback scene, he has his little boy who was born in the States. He has his little boy who's probably four, maybe five years old. And the two of them, the two of them walk out onto this, I think it's a pier, they're at the ocean, they're right there at the, at the ocean at the beach, and they walk out onto this pier to the, as far as they could go without, of course, you know, ending up in the ocean. And he turns to his little boy, and he says to him, oh, the camera, it's in the car, all this and no picture. We just have to remember it then. Will you remember this day? And his son says to him, how long do I have to remember it? And he laughs, Ashok laughs and says, ha, remember it always. Remember that you and I made the journey and went together to a place where there was no way left to go. So is he a good father? Riddle me this one. 
How is he not? Number three, Ashok Ganguly from the namesake. Number two, we're getting close to the end here, but number two, you know him, you love him, you know you do. Give it up for Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi played by Pat Morita in 1984 as the Karate Kid. I'm just going to give you one simple dialogue exchange from this one. Daniel, Ralph Macchio, turns to him and says to him, you're the best friend I've ever had. And Miyagi turns to him and says, and you, pretty okay too. So, is he a good father figure? He gets teenage Daniel to paint his house, to paint his fence for free. He has the kid sand his deck and give and take, you know. He surprises Daniel by fixing his bike. He gives him a bonsai tree. He tells him to trust his instincts and teaches him always to do that. He teaches him karate moves. He makes him a shower costume for the Halloween dance. He saves his hide when the bullies are beating the tar out of him outside. And he teaches him karate for free. He gives him a birthday cake. He gives him his deceased wife's headscarf. He gives him a car. He sacrifices a whole Saturday in December to take Daniel to a tournament. So does he cut the mustard as far as father figures go? In the final analysis, if you think otherwise, you'd have to have the heart of a murderer. So Mr. Miyagi, all the way. <laughs> Team Miyagi. And that brings us to number one. Number one, the top of the heap. The guy with all the passion and the humor and the humanity that ranks him as the one whose story, I freely admit, chokes me up every time, no matter how many times I see it. Are you ready? Because I'm about to bring you Guido, played by Roberto Benigni in 1997's Life is Beautiful, an Italian film, Italian title, La Vida e Bella, which means life is beautiful. And this is a movie that defies description. It won the Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film, which is a category now called International Film in 1998 and it's really impossible to describe because the first half of it is pretty much slapstick comedy very much in the vein of of old charlie chaplin films improbable situations and wild coincidences and a, a bumbling underdog who wants really badly to you know to quote unquote win the girl and she is attracted to him too but she already has a boyfriend in the form of a big intimidating bully the classic popeye olive oil bluto kind of dynamic so that's the first half of the film and then about halfway through the film suddenly completely goes in a different direction and uh, you find out that guido is jewish and he and his little boy, five years old, are taken to a concentration camp along with, along with his wife. And if you're saying to yourself, I have never seen this movie, but what the hell are you talking about? I know how it sounds. I do know how it sounds. But trust me, believe me, I am putting my credibility on the line here as your silver screener. This is a movie that if you have not seen, you have got to see. Now, feelings about it are mixed, and I can certainly understand why. Um, I'll probably do a future episode in this movie at some point in the future so that we can get some more discussion going. You can send in your thoughts on it. 
but I do want to give you one line of dialogue as his little boy is sleeping in his arms as they are walking in the middle of the night through the night fog in the camp, unseen, of course. And he is whispering to his sleeping little boy, you are such a good boy. You sleep now. Dream sweet dreams. Maybe we are both dreaming. Maybe this is all a dream. And in the morning, mommy will wake us up with milk and cookies. And like I said, it's just a movie that defies description. Is it a drama? Well, for obvious reasons, a lot of it, yes, it is. Is it a comedy? For a lot of reasons, yes, it is. Does that sound unnerving? Well, I can understand why it would. Give it a chance, give it a chance, and then we'll talk. So the character of Guido, played by Roberto Benigni, who won the Academy Award for Best Leading Actor, is Guido a good father? He is ranked at number one, isn't he? The dude's got charm, he's got wit, he's got imagination and humor to spare, he's compassionate, and without giving anything away, I will simply say this is probably the bravest moment that any father or father figure in any movie in global cinematic history ever did portray. This is fatherhood at the top of its game, folks, the bravery that he shows. So, all right. Yes, those last few choices, they were a bit on the heavier side, but hey, you know, nobody said parenting is a cakewalk. So let's lighten the mood a little bit here and close out with a lovely parting gift in the form of one final dad joke. So an added perk, by the way, is that you'll get a little brief lesson in the names of a couple of American states. One dad turns to the other and he says, hey, what did Tennessee? To which the other father replied, the same thing, Arkansas. All the power to you if you didn't just throw your device out the window. My gratitude and my apologies. And we will wrap up this ninth episode. Whether you are a father, an uncle, a godfather, a father figure, a dog dad, any father figure in any context in anyone's life, animal, vegetable, or mineral, or if there is one that you yourself look up to, then have yourself a smashing Father's Day weekend. And please, for God's sake, remember that whenever we are on our own with the kid or with the kids, then it means just that, that we happen to be on our own with them. Don't let anybody tell you that you're babysitting. Screw that crap. We are with the younglings we love. We are not caretakers paid by the hour. So yeah, sorry about that. Enjoy time with whoever in your life you enjoy spending time with. And until next episode, keep on screening and I will see you.